Hey everyone, we're back with another week of Find Your Film, and this is for the week covering April 1st, 2022. We just finished an episode of Cinematics, and yeah, this is what I wonder, Bruce Perky, do you know what number this Find Your Film episode is? Are, are you keeping track with how many episodes we're in at all? 109? I hate you, Bruce Perky. Yes, you're right. We're, this is episode 109. Bruce Perky doesn't even have a, a glorified Spotify account, and I can't even get to my Spotify. Sometimes being an OG person when it comes to research is, is, is worth it better than my stupid iPhone here. Eric Holmes, did you know we were 109 episodes at least in on Find Your Film Podcast? No, but that's pretty cool because uh, like Bucko Nine, uh, one of my friend, uh, one of my friends, Steve Bauer, uh, plays drums for them. So this is this is for you, Steve. I don't think he listens, but if he did, <laughs> well, this, well, eventually, Steve. You know, if you're listening, you would know that this ep- this episode is actually dedicated to you, Buck Nine. Speaking of this episode, Eric, unlike me, unlike me and Bruce, you seem to have friends. I don't know where these come from. Yeah, I don't know what friends. Bruce, do you know what the concept of friends are? Do you have an? You're full time. You, you, oh, oh, you have. A, you're showing a Frankenstein. Oh, there's a Frankenstein. He sits on my shoulder. Come on, he's my friend. Leave me okay, alone. okay. If for your just doesn't uh, like the, fire. It doesn't like fire. So okay, for like uh, for you audio listen, listeners, he's putting up a Frankenstein little figure. <laughs> fire <laughs> bad. Very good. <laughs> Eric's doing a Frankenstein imitation, and Bruce put Frankenstein on his shoulder. Yes, you have friends. Do you have a friend for us this week, Eric Holmes? I do. Gonna pop in. I do. Got uh, Bailey Retzel, and uh, I think she should be popping on any minute now. So we'll we'll talk about we we did a we did a fun project together. Oh, okay, and, uh, cool. you're gonna be talking about she, that in a second. Yeah, she she'll be talking. She'll be able to explain that a lot better than I could because um, I just did my small part. Uh, this is like her her project, and she always comes at me with she always comes at me with uh, projects, and they're always cool. We did one. Oh, what was it called? <laughs> I forget the name of it. It's the Mongol Rally on the couch. Uh, it's a Mongol Rally. Like uh, people buy these shitty cars and drive them across Western Europe and Eastern Asia. She was going to go to it, and she can explain this more. But she was going to go to it, and COVID happened, so that got shut down. And so she did like a bunch of Zoom meetings from different people from the from the different countries that you would be driving towards through. And well, she's here right now. Yes. How are you, Bailey? Pleasure to meet you. Hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> Eric Holmes was just talking about what what were you ta- you were talking bad things about. But w- welcome to the yeah. show. First <laughs> off, he was talking right behind your back something about a rally and cards. Can you what were you talking about, Eric? So Bailey um, can actually the Mongol, understand the entire thing. The Mongol rally from the couch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's um there's a big adventure called the Mongol rally that happens every year. Well, it used to happen every year, and then COVID hit. Um, but it's basically, you take this junker car, I think it can only hold like, you know, maybe three liters of gas and you drive it from the UK, uh, to the, um, Eastern side of Russia. So right above Mongolia and you do that over two months. So I, I've always wanted to do this trip. And so I had planned to do it in 2020 and then it got canceled. And so I did one from the couch where I just brought on guests from all these different countries to sort of talk about like, you know, what the best things to do in those countries are, how they're dealing with COVID. Um, I mean, one of my favorite questions was just like, what's one um, stereotype that you want to combat that people think about your country and your people. Um, and so, yeah, just did a bunch of interviews. And how, how is this part? You've worked with Eric Holmes before. Uh, number one, why? And number two, uh, <laughs> how, are you here, how are you here to live to tell about that experience? 
Actually, it was quite good. Um, yeah, so uh, me and Eric know each other because his sister uh, dated, maybe that's a strong word, my brother. Um, my brother used to live in Colorado. Um, and so they just knew each other. And so I had met Frankie um, through him. And then I moved to Colorado for a little bit and met the whole family. And yeah, that's that. And then uh, you got a new, I, I didn't mention the new project. Uh, pro, I, I mentioned the project. I don't quite understand how to explain it. So I was going to leave that to you. Oh, okay. Sure. Now, should I do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Go for I it. I don't know what I'm go. talking about. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. The more you yeah. talk and the less Eric and Bruce and especially me talk, the better. So always, always keep exactly. that in mind. The okay, more of you, less cool. of us. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, so the project is called This is a Distraction. Uh, I got, I'm like a long-term cryptocurrency person. So I started writing about Bitcoin back in 2012 um, and then have since jumped into all different types of work in the cryptocurrency space. So I've done a little marketing NPR, still do journalism, and then also build like large-scale conferences. Um, but what I've been trying to do in the crypto space is bring in my more creative side. Um, so, you know, I got an art minor in school. And, you know, I like the arts and, and creative writing. And so I just wanted to try and blend those things a little bit more with the blow up of sort of the NFT space. Um, a lot of that was like more apparent how I would do that. Um, so not only in an art way, but there's like NFT poets who are like minting their NFTs or minting their poetry as NFTs and then, you know, finding markets to sell those. And so um I mean, the the thing that I am most interested in in that space is sort of this idea of collaborative creation. So um, what I did was created this little poetry book. I'll show you some of them. It's probably hard to see. Um, anyway, okay, so this cool. is just like a physical poetry book. Oh, yeah. Eric has one, too. Okay, cool. And like inside of it. So it's sort of two parts. Let me step back. So there's this poetry book. And one of the things that I want to do with poetry and broader sort of creative writing is make it more transmedia. So bringing in like videos and audio with that as well. So inside these poems are like QR codes that you can also scan and they'll take you to places on the internet or to videos that Eric has made. Thank you, Eric. Um, that kind of enhance what the poem is about or sort of give you a different experience there. Um, and, and so, okay, that's the one part. And then the second part is I created a series of NFTs they are just words. Some are different fonts. Some are different colors. And then I airdrop them to people and they could um, they could go to this website and plug in those words to make lines of poetry with the other people who had the NFT. Does that make sense? I feel like sometimes it, it doesn't, <laughs> but uh, I, I so, can try to explain it a little bit Bruce more. and Eric, how, so we, NF, how we... NFT refrigerator poetry kind of. <laughs> yeah, basically. That is, basically, everybody is telling me that, that, oh, it reminds me of refrigerator poetry. And you realize that nothing else right now as we speak, Greg has is buying his way into this world, you know that right now. <laughs> That's not that's not true. I, Eric, I don't know if you knew this, Bailey. Eric Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky are huge. I think that I think the word is crypto enthusiasts, and Bruce has his own MetaMask with thousands and thousands of dollars of NFTs. Did you do? You, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm oh, I was gonna say, are you serious? Amazing. We should, yeah. we actually, actually, one, I one don't of the know what I'm he's like, saying. It's like <laughs> words to me. One of the reasons I'm so excited to have Bailey here, just. Beyond the fact that I get to say hi to you again, uh, is that Greg is actually the uh, the crypto enthusiast, and I know Bailey, you're really into it. So you two should uh, just kind of 
I first mean, of all, Bruce and Eric, I can bail for about an hour and a half, and you guys can yeah. just go off about it if you want. Yeah, Eric. Eric I, with all apologies, Bailey, this is just a very bad move for Eric Holmes because I was so focused on talking about film. And now Bruce and Eric will have to be relegated to the next two hours. We're not going to actually – listeners for Find Your Film for this episode, you can now shut it off. We're not – we were going to review The Contractor, <laughs> Gagarin, very interesting French film, You Won't Be Alone, and, and this movie called The Bubble. Nope. We're just going to talk about NFTs and crypto with Bailey for the rest of the episode. You okay with that, Bruce? Sure. Uh, well, yeah, like, yeah, I'm fine with all that. All of the all of the audience members are like, "Oh fuck!" Like, <laughs> let's just tune out. Damn it! The NFT in the crypto space is so annoying. Like, nobody wants to hear about it, really. Well, I, you know, in in all seriousness, though, I I think what you're doing with your NFT is very interesting because a lot of people use NFTs as a way for monetization. So they they, they want to actually mint their NFTs and they want to actually get paid in, like, say. ETH, right? And Ethereum, which, you know, Bruce and Eric, Ethereum, to get paid in Ethereum via the NFT is like, basically, you're making, you're, you're making a lot of money, potentially. But then there are other uh, people, NFT artists like you, Bailey, who actually are using the platform to unite people regarding code. And, and can you just talk about that? When people think about NFTs as just a money grab, that's one end. But can you talk about what, what you're doing with NFTs, which I think is kind of trying to link people together, which is really cool? Yeah, I mean, Okay, how do I want to start that? So most of the NFTs that people hear about in the mainstream media or that, you know, people who are not in the crypto space every day have heard about is just like people buying um, pictures of monkeys. Um, Board Ape Yacht Club is a very popular NFT. Um, it's what we call a PFP, which is just a profile picture. So it's like these basically from here up of these apes and they have different traits. So sometimes they wear crowns, sometimes they're smoking, I think, you know, they have different colors and versions. Um, and, and the things that people see mostly is that people are spending like millions of dollars on these and there's only 10,000 of them. Um, and so that tends to be this sort of like money grab and, and sort of confusion when normal people look at the NFT space. They're like, well, I don't think that's very interesting. Why would people pay millions of dollars for this? And that is really fair, honestly. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to knock Board Ape Yacht Club we can digress into that later. Um, but yeah, so they just see sort of you're buying a JPEG um, and maybe that JPEG has a little bit of value, but you're spending millions of dollars on it and people think it's ridiculous. And that is a fair critique. Um, there's other things happening in the NFT space that are by far like more interesting um, that are sort of about connecting, both connecting to a wider audience. So one of the things that's interesting about poets jumping into NFTs is that poetry has never been particularly um a particularly good job for, um, you know, wealth management or growing your wealth. Um, you know, poets just don't get paid like that. And so today in the NFT space, you are seeing poets get paid because they're able to um, put their, their artwork in front of a new audience, a new audience that's also primed with, with great amounts of capital because they've probably been in the crypto space for a while. And so I've like sort of seen other coins balloon. Um, and so I, I think that's pretty interesting. I would never knock an artist for trying to get their stuff out there and like get paid for doing the things that they're doing. Um, so one point is that um, the, the second point is like, yeah, some of this technology um, allows you to 
connect with people that you maybe wouldn't have connected with. And like, you know, that you're connecting with that same person in that group because you have that NFT, which is basically like stamp of approval or sort of like your ID badge. So like, because this website only allows for people to play with it, this distraction website that I created only allows you to really play with it. If you have the NFTs, I know that anybody on that site has those NFTs and it's so is part of that distraction poetry community. And in that way, like some of these people are across the world, right? And it's not like we can't communicate with people across the world with Facebook or, or Twitter or even Zoom like we're on now. Um, but it sort of like adds this, this extra utility um, to those to those interactions and allows those people to also be kind of pseudonymous or anonymous if they want to be. Bailey, your it NFTs seems like it oh, right. I was going to say, it seems like it builds in a level of commitment too. like the people that would be most interested, most committed to it are kind of, in a sense, buying into it in the sense that I'm interested enough in this to have a part of it and then to be a part of it, as opposed to just some generic group that anyone could just pop in and pop out of eternally. Yeah. I I mean, I I might be wrong about that, but it feels like that would kind of like it's self-selecting interest level, I guess. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think there's problems with that because like these PFPs that are, they're, you know, um, unique 10, they're 10,000 mints and they're unique all in those mints, you know, that only allows 10,000 people to be a part of your community. And like, are those 10,000 people actually people who really want to be part of your community or maybe you're just trying to like wait till the price gets high enough to flip it. Um, In my case, I didn't, so one of the things I didn't have people minted, I didn't have people pay for it. So I minted all the NFTs ahead of time um, and then just airdrop them on people. So I had to know that person in some way, like, you know, messaging them on Twitter and being like, send me your ETH address because then I sent them the NFT so they didn't have to pay for anything. Um, so in a way you, you kind of blocked that part of that, the bad part of it, I guess you'd say quote right. bad part, the, right. the, the profiteering side of things kind of selected out of it by the way you did it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't want people to have to pay for this, this NFT because right. I honestly, I don't think it's art. Um, some people actually have disagreed with me, which is cool, I guess, but um, you I know, do. it's like a conceptual art of some sort, but uh, you know, I just made these on Google slides. They took 0% time. Uh, so I don't, I didn't want people to have to pay for them to play with the, the website. Yeah. And we have to obviously talk about how people get involved in this as you're talking about it and how do they see your stuff. Um, The last thing I'll mention is this reminds me just vaguely of the early years of the dot-com era when you had a bunch of stuff bubbling up to the front really quickly that wasn't really as value added. But then underneath it, you had a lot of people with vision that saw the possibilities out there and started to do interesting things. And slowly those things became the valuable, not valuable in monetary terms. I mean, valuable and creative and um, expanding the art form. Yeah. Terms. Totally. Would- so I think you're playing more in that space because talk about spaces. Yeah. <laughs> you're playing more in that space than the other space, you know? Yeah. Would a hundred percent agree. I think, you know, uh, also there's just, there's an openness to maybe like weirder or very tech forward artwork in that space. Um, a lot of these people, uh, are pretty tech native, you know, they spend 
all of their hours on the internet. Um, so like in a lot of my poetry, I talk about memes and just like the constant onslaught of dings and buzzes and distractions that happen. And I want that to really feel like a part of the poetry. And so I think this industry specifically is like primed for that, right? Um, they, yeah, they spend all day, every day looking at price pricing and getting really low and getting really high and uh yeah, on Twitter all the time, we all speak like a very different language. That's why it's hard to get into crypto, to be fair, because we're all speaking at this meme level that like, if you don't know, you don't know. Um, and so it can be quite challenging to jump into. So Bailey, where can people find your stuff? What's, what's your site and whatnot? And also how far are you going to take this creatively in the NFT space? Is this a space that you're not just dabbling, you're not just dabbling in, you're going to be really highly invested within uh, the next few years? Is Is this something you're really passionate about? Yeah. So let's see, where can you find my stuff? So definitely follow me on Twitter, I guess. Twitter is the best way to follow what all the stuff that I'm doing. I am at BLR13 on there. Um, it also has the website linked to my Twitter, which is probably easiest because um, so, you know, I am not a developer. And so I hired a developer to help me build this for whatever reason, which I will not be able to explain um, succinctly. You have to have HTTPS dot dot backslash backslash www dot distraction poetry dot com. You have to have all of that to get to the website, um, which in other cases, you just can put distraction poetry dot com in, which is a much easier thing to remember. Um, but yeah, so you have to have HTTPS um, Am I saying that right? HTTPS. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> um, colon backslash backslash yeah. www and then dot distractionpoetry.com. Um, and that'll give you, you know, there's like an about page and w- there's a way to um, email me in case you want an actual poetry book. Um, and then, you know, email me if you want the NFTs as well, because I'm just like sending them out. Now, um, finally, so basically, you, we, we, you know we, they can find you via your Twitter handle. Want to actually know your thoughts on, actually, Eric said that you saw everything everywhere all at once. Just quick thoughts on this film. All three of us want to see it. It doesn't come out in theaters until April 8th. You were able to see it actually in limited release right now, I guess, in your local uh, Cineplex. What did you think? Well, of that so I went to South by Southwest to present oh. this project and they premiered it at South by Southwest. So that's why I got to see it. Um, I was also moderating a couple panels there on crypto stuff. And so I had the speaker badge that sort of got me into all these like fun things. Um, Yeah. I mean, I came out of the theater and was like, I have to see that at least five more times. Um, I just loved it. I thought it was great. I'm really glad we're talking about this. Um, I texted Eric immediately and was like, "Uh, dude, see this movie. Um, It was Yeah, I feel like I can't explain the movie without it just sounding fucking insane. Like it's, it's so ambitious about this like childhood or sort of like generational trauma in this Asian family explained through this just absurd Kung Fu style sort of alternate reality uh, plot line. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. There you go. That's good. It's so crazy. There's this one. I'm just going to, you know, sorry, this is not really a spoiler, but there is this one part where um, there's this one universe where people have hot dogs as fingers. And it's just so insane. I saw that in the preview. They go like this and I saw the hands. 
It's yeah. Yeah. And you're just like cackling about this. But then at the end, like I bet the last like 30 minutes, I was also just bawling. I have a question so, for you, though. So uh, I have a 13 year old uh, appropriate. Yeah, I think so. I think he wants fine. to see it. He wants to see it. I showed him the trailer. So I'm just I'm getting your input on this. So I mean, I'm a bad influence on young people. So like keep that in mind. But I think it's fine. <laughs> he just watched all of Breaking Bad. So I think he's going to be OK. I think you're good. I think yeah. you're good. Yeah. Bailey, before you go, Eric Holmes, do you have a question for your collaborator, collaborator slash friend? Any any pointed questions you want to ask? Since uh, me and Bruce have been hogging this up, yes, Got something, buddy. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? I, I guess I'll steal Bruce's question because uh, Bruce has a box, and in that box, he has a bunch of pieces of paper, and the pieces of paper are movies that uh, people put in the box, and they're movies that are. Lesser known, or maybe uh, that you really like or enjoy that you think that Bruce should watch and uh, the rest of people should watch. So what is a movie you would like to put in the box? Oh, I wish you had told me this question ahead of time. Yeah, Eric, what are you doing? (laughs) Well, you can get, you can give us one now and then you can text me the real one later. Very good. I'll hit up Bruce and go, she means this one instead. Well, I just saw on Instagram, I was doing like a doom scroll on Instagram earlier. Sorry, please don't, please don't hate me. Um, (laughs) I hate myself for doing that. But um, I saw this uh, part of the pirate, like a 1948 maybe movie or something. I don't know. Anyway, where this guy, he like takes a cigarette from this woman, sticks it in his mouth, like swallows it, kisses her. It flips it back out and blows it in her face. It's like so hot in this weird way. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the pirate, look it up. I'm going to watch it tonight. Uh, I don't know if it's good, but that scene was just like, wow. Okay. <laughs> what a crazy scene. Um, also, Old Boy, but surely you guys have seen Old Boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We've seen Old Boy. Yeah, no comment. Let's just go back, get back to talking about crypto. So I haven't gotten seen that yet. Uh, I'll eventually get to see it. Yeah, yeah I'm not Asian. Seen old boy. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, no Spike Lee movie. Right? That's the right response. You haven't seen Old Boy? Uh, yeah, I haven't seen Old Boy. Yeah, probably, exactly I've seen what? the remake with Spike Lee. Oh, and, no. uh, that's probably yeah. No, 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 no. And be- Bailey, before we let you go, I I want to ask you my my uh, my crypto question because what? Bruce and Eric here have thought I've been a crazy person since last April, and I'm telling them that this is it has I've, nothing I've try- to do with crypto, by the way. But go on. <laughs> that that's fair. That's fair as well. But do you think this is the way a year from now, two years from now, this is the way people are going to be conversing with each other with, via you know their MetaMask wallet, uh, their their NFTs, and where do you see a world where crypto isn't just about a day trading? price valuation where you can flip that crypto will just be part of our everyday existence not as flipping but as just communicating with each other not just via currency but via via just daily day-to-day language yeah i think so yes i think it's more than a year away for sure because the ux and ui is just fucking terrible in crypto um but yes i do i mean think about all the sort of points and token systems you use today, those don't like, so credit card points, for instance, or like, I don't know, maybe you have this like game app that you get some tokens and then you can pay for skins and a video game or something. All of that like may, might be crypto. It doesn't have to be, but it just, you know, it, it does feel like it's moving that way because I do think crypto adds um, a scarcity layer to the internet that we haven't seen previously, uh, which I think, 
think is probably helpful on the internet. Uh, I don't sort of want to go down the political hellhole of like scarcity in the real life, in real world, but um, on the internet, it just feels like a type of scarcity is needed because otherwise it's just becoming garbage. Uh, <laughs> I, d- I don't love that. Right. There's just too many people able to do too many things. And like, that's good in some ways, but I do wonder if like adding in a, a bit of scarcity would be, would be helpful. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, thank you so much, Bailey, uh, for joining us. And I, I, if I, if I had had, if I could call the shot, you, you'd be here. You know, actually, Eric Holmes and and Bruce Bruce Perky, they actually had a day drinking situation with film <laughs> filmmaker Maddie Doe last week. And Eric will fill you in on this. This is a movie called The Long Walk, by the way. I think you'd love it. And they, oh yeah, watch, watch, watch that. You'll dig it. They okay. they were surprised. They were drinking alcohol with her for three and a half hours i would i wish i could actually one of these days i'll i'll have you on this on the show for three and a half hours and we'll 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 drink we'll drink actually uh nice lemonade nice nice uh, virgin lemonade and talk some really interesting <laughs> crypto <laughs> cryptocurrency but this has yeah. tequila in it by the way oh that, that's cool that that works thank you so much for your time bailey eric bruce you want to say something before she goes uh, uh, oh yeah, final final thing. Final thing. Uh, you okay. said that you finally got to meet Eric's family. We haven't met anybody who met Eric's family, so I'm just going to have you on the way out. Uh, rate on a s- scale from one to ten, how much Hatchet Man tattoos, Woot Woot, and Fago is involved in that? Wow, on a scale of one to ten, ten being all of a it, lot. <laughs> <laughs> Frankie's uh, definitely down with the clown. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Holmes family is an odd bunch, but that's why they're great. Thank you. That's all we needed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good talking to you. Love you, Bailey. <laughs> Thank good you. Talking to you as always. And yeah, I, okay. I, 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 <laughs> I don't know later. what else to say. Oh, um, I, I I can't wait to see what else you drop on my lap because every time you come up with something, it's like, hey, I got this cool idea. I'm like. I don't know what it is, but it's going to be fucking cool. Yeah, exactly. I think so. Um, you know, <laughs> I came to him. Well, what's funny is like, I came to Eric and I was like, I need you to make a video and it's titled right now. It's titled Asian rape. And he was all, mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe we should change the name. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we should. But that is sort of the idea. <laughs> Eric, is that why you were asking me for all my pictures, my profile pictures? Is that why? <laughs> uh, no, that was, that was for my own personal enjoyment. <laughs> okay, good to know. That's uh, B- Bailey, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. See you guys. Okay, see you. Bye. That was very cool. Yay, we found very, a way very... to take it off the rails at the end. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> She's very cool. Very interesting. Interested to uh, check out Bailey's NFT collection and her words, poetry and everything. Very, very good job, Eric, on, on uh, your friends. One of these days, Bruce and I, Bruce, you and I, you and I might bring guests on the show, right? Is that correct? Or do you think the chances of us doing that is pretty nil? Only thing I've done lately is bring my kid on when I'm day drinking <laughs> to talk to Maddie Doe. So <laughs> I don't know if I'm good. I'm a good barometer for bringing on friends. <laughs> and this this goes back to thank you. What is Bailey's? How do you pronounce your last name? Eric Holmes. Retzel. Bailey Retzel. Probably should have asked her. Yeah, ba- <laughs> thank you, Bailey. I, I believe it's Retzel. Eric Holmes, do your homework. But anyways, thank you, Eric Holmes, for that. Bailey Retzel, thank you so much for joining us on Find Your Film. Eric Holmes asked me about forty five minutes ago, and before we started recording, goes, "Greg, how are we going to tell our listeners about the Maddie Maddie dossier?" The, Ma- the Maddie dossier, by the way, is basically this long three and a half hour conversation we alluded to during our interview with Bailey about the three and a half hour conversation that Bruce Berkey and Eric Holmes had with 
Matty Doe, but it wasn't a conversation. What was it, Eric? What was that it? Was a, no, it was a straight out hangout. <laughs> straight out hangout? It, it was, yeah, it was basically like, hey, let's get on Zoom, uh, chit chat for a bit and drink. Um, that's not what it was supposed to be, but that's what it turned out to be. And which, uh, I, Bruce can agree or disagree, but I think it was much, much better than, uh, I could imagine it would have been. Bruce, did it go off yeah, the rails? I would advise, yeah, uh, I don't know if I ever got on the rails, but if (laughs) (laughs) maybe it was like one of those things, like a stopped clock, like every so often it just eventually like by default ended up on the rails for a few minutes, Mm. but then it went back off. Um, I would advise when we do post it, what I would say to everybody is pick an activity you're doing, have some drinks with you and just put it on in the background and let it, let it roll and enjoy it while you're doing whatever else you're doing and hop in mentally when you can and when you don't that's okay too because it's a hangout too very cool there's going to be i think four or five parts that eric holmes has sent me he sent at least half of them already i have to download the first one eric i have to start downloading all these videos eric so per bruce's recommendation should i just upload part one by itself part two by itself and just put it on the on our youtube channel is that is that the way to yeah. go yeah that probably that, that probably, and and unfortunately bruce or uh greg you weren't with us so maybe give a maybe give a little intro to to them. So at least they get to hear your voice. Uh, oh, because oh, okay. you, you you were sore you were sorely missed. That, that, oh, that was the thank you. that was the one thing missing that would have made it perfect. Yes. Oh, that was very kind, Bruce. Did you tell Eric Holmes to say those kind words? Did you prep him for that? I did. Um, he, I wrote a script. <laughs> He's looking at it. Oh, very good. It's Here, good Greg. <laughs> I wish that you were I'm the oh in the to he. <laughs> The way Eric Holmes is reading that Google Doc is very awkward because he's trying to read lines from a script. We're going to talk about bad writing and what some of our features features this week on Find Your Film. Let's get to some of these movies. First of all, let's get to the, the, the big sexy one, supposedly. We have Chris Pine. We have, we have Ben Foster in this movie from called The Contractor. They were previously seen, in, I believe, in that 2016 film, Hell in High Water, a film that all of us loved. Eric and Bruce, yes, correct? This is yes. Hell in High Water, classic. Yes, very, very, very good movie. If you haven't seen it, stop listening to this podcast and go, to your, go find it. Go find it. Go watch it immediately. Hell in High Water, I believe, directed and written by Taylor Sheridan. Okay, so now The Contractor is different. Yes. Uh, oh, yes, Eric. Yeah. I'm sorry. Written yeah, by no. Taylor Sheridan is directed by, I can't remember the name of the director. Different guy, Eric, though. Thank you, Eric. Yes, it is. I forgot who it's directed by. I'm going to look it up right now during our review of The Contractor. Yes, but written by Taylor Sheridan. I, I, I believe like during that year, he actually directed or a year later. I was confusing it with Wind River, but there's someone else who did direct Helen Highwater. My bad. Good job, Eric Holmes, on that. Now. Who's a better soldier? You're my dad. Careful. <laughs> Come on. Let's go. Did you actually see my dad's wife? Yes. <laughs> we looked after each other. Kind of like brothers. Yeah, kind of like brothers. James, they're cleaning house. You're leaving the army with an honorable discharge, but you're losing your pension and health care. We gave them our minds, our bodies, and our spirit. And they chewed us up and spit us out. I just want to check in with y'all on your past due payment message deleted. What you did in the uniform? Sledgehammer shit. Our thing, scalpel work. We operate in a deep black OGA offshoot with direct presidential authority. Bank some decent cash, put a down payment on the house. It's not dangerous. Now I know you're lying. Baby, I need to take care of my family. So what do you say? You're down for the cause? Yeah. Salim Mohammed Mosin. 
study pathogenic influenza viruses in humans. We all know what one motivated radical can do. So let's cowboy up, get it done, and get home to our families. You don't understand what you're doing. I'm trying to save lives. This is only about money. What do we do, Mike? I've got an extraction team, Brown BMW X1. Comply. I'll do that when you confirm who you're working for. You work for me. You gotta trust me. I am trying to help you. Oh, we're working for the president of a corporation. Get in the car! They train us to run their errands, kill their enemies, and kill each other. It's easy to kill, but it's much harder to survive. Need to get back home. Home's a memory. He's gonna come after you with everything he's got. I'm going home. We're going to the contractor. Chris Pine plays a former, I believe, army. Bruce, is it an army ranger? Is is army? He's an army man, I guess. I, I believe. Was he a Navy SEAL? He's he's one of these. I'm trying to think of. Was he a Navy SEAL or he's a? Uh, do you remember? You guys? Remember? I can't remember now. I can't remember. But yeah, it's one of those two. He's no, like no, an elite, elite. Yeah, it says here special forces. Agent, Special Forces Sergeant James Harper. Chris Pine, he's, he's risked life and limb for the military. The problem is he has a, you know, an honorable discharge for his injuries and he was actually on the job. He was, this is not a spoiler, this is, it happens at the beginning of the movie. He, you know, he's taking some medication on the job that he's not supposed to take some pills. So just because of that, he's honorably discharged and he's not getting his pension. Okay, so that's horrible, and that is just a big injustice. This is the Chris Pine character. So what happens is he ends up taking a job with his former colleague, played by Ben Foster. Ben Foster, his former buddy, his uh, his current his close buddy and and fellow fellow military guy. They work for a big big time big wig who is part of the, I guess their unit, not part of their unit. He's like he's he's played by Kiefer Sutherland, and he runs this real big operation, and he pays a lot of mercenaries and not former military men, and I'm, we're assuming women, a lot of money to do jobs that are are not under the purview of the government, but supposedly these are sort of black ops operations. That's the premise behind the contractor. Eric Holmes, your view of this movie that is directed by Tariq Saleh. This was really good. Actually, a lot better than I was expecting. As much as I loved Heller Highwater, which, by the way, I, I just looked it up. Uh, David McKenzie directed Heller Highwater. But uh, that, I loved that movie, Heller Highwater. And so this kind of had a high bar to clear. Uh, but, I, you know, Ben Foster's, you know, Chris Pine's usually in good stuff. Uh, sometimes, you know, he has his messes. Ben Foster's a little... Uh, you know, a little more reliable, I guess, as far as uh, the projects that he chooses. And the, and I was, I was excited to see them both together and was hoping it would kind of hold up to Hell or High Water. Uh, it doesn't quite get there, but it's still really good. And I think it's, uh, um, you know, it does the, uh, uh, what, what would you call it? Like a, like a thriller, almost a thriller action movie, but it's got that, much like Hell or High Water, it's got that little extra zhuzh to it, I guess. You know, it's about like a black ops people doing black ops stuff, but it 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 has a little more uh, commentary to it than that. Not a lot, um, not particularly deep, but enough that you know you get uh you know some some movies like this where uh 
you can watch it for the uh, thrills. And then there's a little extra commentary if if you're into digging into that. Yeah, it, it, this was a good, this is a pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, action movie thriller. Kiefer Sutherland was really good in this. He, he's not in it a lot. But it was actually uh, one of those deals where uh, I saw his name come up in the credits. I'm like, oh, cool. Kiefer Sutherland's in it. Then his character shows up and I'm watching his character. Oh, I like this guy. <laughs> oh, wait, that's Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> uh, that, that's one of the many benefits of having bad brains like I do. But uh, yeah, th- this was uh, this was kind of a welcome surprise. And again, it doesn't quite get the hell or high water marks, but I really enjoyed it. And I think it'd make a great double feature with that. Some of the extra sub sauce that that Eric Holmes is mentioning is the family drama behind the contractor. Let's mention Jillian Jacobs from Community. She plays Chris Pine's wife in this movie. They have a son. They're trying to uh, they're trying to make ends meet. So they're actually in debt behind on their bill payments. Bruce Perky, your thoughts on the contractor? I'm really similar to Eric on this. I think it's a, a pretty solid action movie that is a little better than it has to be. I think that if you go in there just for the the kind of the special ops, you know, kind of action stuff, it's it's good on that front. As but I also was kind of surprised by certain aspects of it. For example. Um, I thought at first this might be kind of just a generically patriotic kind of movie, but it isn't really. It, it actually plays around a little bit with the idea of how a lot of these uh, military people kind of sacrifice a lot and then get kind of just thrown away. And that's kind of uh, an underpinning of the story is kind of it leads to what he's doing as a contractor. And it also underpins sort of the whole story. And I also would compare it a little to the Bourne movies a little bit. Because I think it has kind of that dynamic, you know, how the Bourne movies, there's a lot of him being uh, kind of everyone's after him. And he's kind of has to to find his way out of the predicament. And there's some elements of that in this movie, too, that I thought was pretty good. I don't think it quite wraps up enough. Interestingly enough, I think it kind of wraps up a little bit generic to me. This is weirdly, I don't usually say this, but weirdly, I could see this being more effective as a miniseries than a full movie. Because I think you could yeah. you could actually they create such a great groundwork with his character i think you could actually draw it out and get more meat from this but as it is as it stands this is a good little action movie that actually is you know better than it needs to be uh for me it's probably one of three and a half stars three and a half stars recommend for sure three and a half stars solid recommend for bruce perky for me it's a three and a half star film here's my my situation with the contractor first part of the movie slow burn family drama you get into that and then the second part it's the special ops, black ops situation, which I really loved. And then the third act, which is there's some obligatory moments. It does not wrap up. It felt I wanted a little bit more of an, not just action explosive, just a more of a memorable ending. It just sort of whimpers its way to a, I would say, a not a very memorable ending. That's my only little complaint regarding the, the contractor. But Chris Pine, Ben Foster, Ben Foster should have been in this movie a little bit more too as well. But there's, by the way, there's a, there's Eddie Marsan. He plays a, I don't want to mention what character he plays. He pops up somewhere in the middle of the movie and he, his character intermingles with Chris Pine's character and they have a nice little subplot for about 10, 15 minutes, which I thought was really good as well. So there's some really good moments, strong moments in the contractor. Again, three and a half stars is not a complaining three and a half stars. It's a solid three and a half star rating for me. Eric Holmes, your, your thoughts on the contractor as far as the rating goes. Yeah, that's, I, I'm with you guys right there. Three and a half. Um, yeah, is it is it's, it's not like a three and a half that sucks. This is like a it's like a really solid three and a half. Like you're gonna, I, I think a lot of people will watch this and enjoy it. 
Yes, a lot of things to enjoy with The Contractor in theaters, on digital, and on demand April 1st, okay, via Paramount. Thank you, Paramount, for the links for us to see it in our in the comfort of our own home. Now, there's a movie on Netflix on Friday, April 1st. If you're listening to this, it's probably some, somewhere after Thursday because there is an embargo on this Judd Apatow film called The Bubble. The Bubble is in reference to the bubble that all of us as humanity have been in for the last over two years. And actually, the bubble deals with... Thank you, guys. I'm looking at my Google Doc. Eric is actually filling in his ratings for the contractor. Thank you for doing yeoman's work for bringing Bailey in and actually putting the ratings on him on the Google Doc. Very good, Eric Holmes. Keep on keep on doing it. Bruce, you should be doing a better job. All you do is day drink with Maddie Doe for three and a half hours. Oh, <laughs> and Bruce is actually doing it right now. Thank you, Bruce, for that. Now... Again, when you're thinking Judd Apatow, directed by Judd Apatow, and it has, <laughs> and then Bruce would just put, kiss my A A A S S. I I'm not a very good. <laughs> I love you. watching that sausage. <laughs> me. That's very that's yes yes. Thank you, Bruce, for that comment. Actually, threw me off. What are you going to do? Slap me? Anyways, no. But so so the bubble. You think it's going to be good? It's interesting. It's uh, there. It centers on a film crew, actors. Well, mainly a bunch of actors, director producer they're holed up in a hotel and what they're doing is they're trying to make a movie in quote unquote the bubble hijinks ensue the movie stars leslie mann the uh, the the wife of judd apatow there is iris apatow his daughter she plays a tiktok star who's part of the, the cast there's uh karen gillen i believe that's how you pronounce her name from what what, what have we seen her in before let's see I, I was gonna say the squadron supreme but it's the guardians of the galaxy she's in those guardians of the galaxy movies she's very good in this movie i mean she's pretty much the lead and there's also who there's a whole bunch of other actors that I'm trying to think of. Who plays the lead actor in The Mandalorian? I'm trying to think of his name right now, but he's also in this. Uh, Pedro well. Pascal. Pedro Pascal. Thank you, yeah. Eric Holmes, for saving me once again. So there's a whole bunch of different. Oh, of course, there's David Duchovny in it. There's a whole list of really good actors involved in the bubble again. Keegan Michael Key. My, yeah, Keegan Michael yeah. Key. Yes, he plays the, the the requisite action star of the whole group. They're trying to make this franchise film, like I think it's called Cliff Beasts, and the movie is like they're they're on on location, which is in the bubble in the hotel. And they're trying to make a the Cliff Beast number five. This is sort of a a satire on COVID, on the pandemic, a satire on on action blockbusters, and basically a look at the ins and outs of narcissistic filmmaking from Judd Apatow. Let us start with Bruce Perky on The Bubble. Did The Bubble explode in a good way for you, or did it <laughs> did it break bad for you, Bruce? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, no, okay, I'll, I'm going to start with the good. The good of this movie is this definitely makes Eric write about Don't Look Up. Don't Look Up looks spectacular compared to this movie um i'm not a great judge of comedy everyone has comedy taste that seems to be different than mine or a lot of people do so this might be how dare you how no dude you're not giving yourself credit what name name a couple of your favorite comedies come on um young frankenstein yeah good good taste good taste yeah um yeah uh, something about mary yeah, great. Great comedies. You have good taste. Happy normal. All right. Love anyway, it. this yeah. movie is embarrassingly, awfully, terribly, terrible comedy, in my opinion. I, this is okay. I was thinking about this movie and why it was so. I don't want to use the word cringe, but this is like if you have a kid and they're telling their parent, Dad, stop. This is cringe. This is what this movie is to me. <laughs> this movie is a dad of Iris Apatow 
trying to be cool in his kids' generation's eyes. That's what it feels like. This whole movie feels like that to me. And it's no surprise that there's a bunch of TikTok crap in here that seems really tired. This whole movie seems tired. It seems about a year and a half too late as far as what the subject matter is. It doesn't seem timely at all. Um, uh, it's just, it's embarrassing. I was, I was, it was terrible. I I don't even know what to say about this. The jokes just don't land the, the, did you laugh at all at all? You know, at all in this movie? Did you just, no. Do you remember chuckling? I might've laughed when one character's hand got blown off. Mm, I might've okay. laughed for a second there. Maybe um, this is to me, and I haven't seen everything Judd Apatow has done. This is by far his worst movie, in my opinion, like light years worse than anything else I've ever seen by him. Do you think this movie will get that type of reaction the bubble? Because it just, you're saying you, you were not giving yourself credit by saying that, you know, you don't know about your taste in comedy, but do you think this is going to land with people? Uh, some people, maybe like if you like the Netflix version of Adam Sandler, you might like this. Maybe. Okay. okay. That's probably around the level it hits. So, all right. So that's Bruce Bruce's review of the bubble. The bubble. How does it work for you, Eric? Same way with Bruce. Well, uh, one of the things I think Judd Apatow does best is mix comedy with drama. Um, uh, you know, like a. Uh, in my opinion, Bruce. <laughs> no, I mean, there's no drama here. Is what I was oh, saying. But, no but yeah, but I agree. Uh, you know, the uh, uh, funny people. Uh, what, what the, the, uh, lat was it the last King of Staten Island? Um, that 40 year old virgin doesn't have a lot of drama, in it, but 40 year old virgin is funny. I, this is, this is trying to be a satire on Hollywood. And I don't, I don't think that, uh, and I, I can't put my finger on why I don't think Judd Apatow is as good as satire as Adam McKay is And it. And I'm not sure, but I think it's because Adam McKay doesn't give a fuck even as far as his own ideology goes, he's willing to pick on that. I don't know that Judd Apatow is that open. And so a lot of the, a lot of the stuff, like a lot of the problems I have with this are the same problems you guys had that the same problems that you guys saw in don't look up with that. I didn't, I, I didn't see those, pro- I didn't agree with those problems, but as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, Oh, this is what it was like watching Don't Look Up for you guys. So it, it, yeah. it, it kind of had that same thing. Um that said, there there's a couple funny parts. Um uh, uh Pedro Pascal's character. I loved him. I just want to party with him. Um, but you know, that's that's not <laughs> that's a character in the movie. That's not the entire movie. Um the stuff that uh the movie that they're making, because they're they're basically making a movie and it's a it's a not a mockumentary, but it's almost like a biopic of uh, behind the scenes of a movie that never got made. Um, it's a cool idea. A friend of mine in one of my writers groups wrote a much better script using that exact same idea that he's been working on for over a year. So as soon as I watch this, I, I hit him up and go, dude, you're going to have to watch bubble when it comes out. I think Netflix owes you money. Uh, but uh, so, right. I mean, that that's not, assuming that uh uh Jed Apatow didn't somehow get that script and rip them off um that's not the movie's fault that but uh yeah this is, didn't quite work there's some stuff that did but overall um I don't know I don't I I don't know there 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 was too much and uh, I 
I really don't want to, I don't really don't want to uh, blame the movie for this, but there's too much personal stuff on my end going in that right away just turned me off on the movie. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just think that uh, if Judd Apatow is going to, uh, you know, try to do some satire, I think he needs to um, be a little more honest, I suppose, and be willing to uh, pick on his own ideology as much as he picks on other people's. Mm. And I'll just add one other thing to that. I was just thinking about this as you were talking about it, about the satire thing. Because to me, one of the things that kept hitting me was that it felt out of touch with its own subject matter. A perfect example would be this, like you have a movie within a movie. So that's your opportunity to either parody or comment on a certain movie. Well, but that doesn't do that very well. Like it doesn't even do that very well, right? If you're going to make this fake movie within a movie, which is kind of, I guess, supposed to be Jurassic Park. Right. But it doesn't even do that in a way that is telling or really making fun of that actual genre. It's almost like it doesn't know the genre that it's making fun of. So that'd be a, like a microcosm of, I think, what's the problem with the whole movie is that to do satire right what it was what Eric is saying. Like, with Don't Look Up, the satire, it made sense. And I, I, either you didn't like the tone or you didn't like kind of the approach, but you at least understood what it was satirizing and how it was satirizing it. This doesn't even feel like it knows what it's satirizing exactly, you know? Mm, I mean, I guess, I, guess, I guess it's satirizing uh, people in Hollywood for being uh, just, just completely saying full of shallow. themselves and completely pieces of shit, which is... But that's it, such a little thing to do. Yeah. It's so, I, I wonder, I, just to be a little fair to this movie and not shit on it, I wonder how this movie would play for people in that space. Like Judd Apatow's friends, who also make movie, like, um, what uh, you know, uh, what what's Adam McKay going to think watching this movie? Like, maybe maybe they pick up on little details that just we don't get because you know we're not in that we're not in that space in so much that yeah, obviously we review movies, but we're not going to you know on sets or anything like that. I, I wonder if there's people that work in that space. Maybe this is a movie for them. Uh, that maybe play, that plays better for them. I don't know. Yeah, this movie had just a million jokes. Every single second there was a joke, whether it's slapstick or just a funny, trying to, trying to be a funny line. Maybe the story's like really inside baseball. There's a sequence where someone tells another person, I, I really want to live in Beverly Hills. And that person says, well, I actually live in Sherman Oaks. And the person says, oh, cool, even better. That's sort of an inside baseball joke that people like me who've lived in LA, when someone mentions that they live in Sherman Oaks, that's like living in, it's not living in Hollywood or Beverly Hills or some of the glamorous parts. Sherman Oaks is considered the heart of the valley. That's sort of an inside baseball joke. So there's a inside baseball joke that people who live in LA would get. I think Eric, to your point, there's a lot of the parts of here, of this is might be inside baseball for some, the making of a movie, but just so many jokes just hurled that are, it's, it seems like they're thrown against the wall like spaghetti like pasta to to the wall and it just I, whatever sticks you know and, and i don't know for some reason everything sticked about this movie for me i give this movie four stars i absolutely loved every single second of the bubble this was close to two hours i was not tired i i thought it was funny I, um i i guess i'm the i'm the target audience for this dumb people i I bought every single second of the bubble. It was crazy. It was zany. It worked. It worked. I will say this, though. The movie within a movie that Bruce Berkey mentions, yeah, I, I think they could have done a better 
satire within the movie, but I liked all the jokes that that were that was actually in the bubble. I was fine being in the bubble. Actually, I will like like Eric was doing with Don't Look Up. He's watched that a couple of times. This is a movie that I actually will watch a couple of times because I like watching movies about self-centered narcissists talking a lot of crap to each other. And this is just look if if you're just a weirdo like me, the bubble might appeal to you. Four stars for me. Strong four stars. I I I, I really adore this movie. I, I'm sure Bruce and Eric are a little bit surprised. Bruce, your rating on the bubble? Uh, zero stars. Zero stars from Bruce. Wow. Eric, your your rating? Yeah, I'm I'm right down the middle. Uh, it's probably three stars. It's not three it's stars. Fine. That's it's, like a mild recommend. You should, you're mildly uh, recommend this. I, I I think I think I think this has its audience and like. The, there, How about there's you? A lot, you? There, there's yeah? a lot I didn't okay. like, and there's there's a couple things I did like. Um, th- this oh, is good. like a good example of uh, it, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. It, it's mark, fine. Mark or, my or, words. Or wait, it is that it's fine. Is that two and a half? Mark the, the, my I words. Think, a year from now, this will be on the bottom ten of the year on yeah, everybody's I mean, bottom that, ten of the year. That, list. that would that wouldn't surprise me. But also, yeah. this is this is the Netflix comedy crowd. Like, I, I'm also the guy that likes ridiculous six so what does that say about me there's uh, ridiculous there's, there's six that. was much better much oh, better. ridiculous yes. six was a great movie everyone mark my words <laughs> okay so but uh but like that there there was a there was a scene where uh a character is dying and everyone's trying to revive like scenes like that i i really liked it they, they were stupid and silly but i i kind of i kind of liked it and everyone had to hit their chest because that's what you do everything they know about reviving people is just the beat on their beat on their chest until anyway sorry well listeners yeah, yeah we'll bu- go three stars it, it was fine three stars the mild recommend for eric holmes the most important part listeners what will you think of the bubble when it comes out on next netflix friday will you think this might be one of the worst movies of the year like bruce's his prediction is well it's it's probably his worst movie of the year because it's a zero stars from bruce do you think i do you think do you go along with crazy greg who gives it four stars for the bubble i love this movie so much or do you do you go with eric holmes who gives it three stars for a mild recommend saying there were some interesting parts or good parts of the bubble be, being kind of being pretty expectations lower as much expectations. as possible uh, and then the you bubble. might dig it a little bit <laughs> Okay. You put it on yeah. fast forward. You'll be fine. You can get and it. Watch it in like ninety minutes. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that's another thing. This movie did not need to be two hours. But anyway, that's... yeah, I, I was fine. I, I wanted Bruce. I wanted the uh, three hundred sixty minute cut. What do you think of that six hour cut of knock yourself bubble? out? No, knock, <laughs> knock yourself out. Okay, so I'd rather listen to the Matty Dossier. Uh, there you go. Three Bruce, hours. The Long and Walk. It's much funnier. Which is a better movie, The Long Walk or The Bubble? Should I dare? <laughs> should I dare? <laughs> Should I dare ask that question? I'm not gonna let. I'm not gonna have the dignity. To, okay. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna that have a good one, Greg. Answer, I'm not gonna have Bruce answer that question. I, I I love Bruce too much. Speaking of love, there's an, um, another movie we're covering. It's called Gagarin. Gagarin. Yeah, what what are we going to say about Gagarin? It's uh, Bruce, it's it's set on a real project in, in I guess in what in France, I'm I'm assuming and it, th- these projects and what happens is one one of the youths, he's really determined it's a housing project, they're going to demolish it and he is determined to actually stay there no matter 
what the cost. And the big thing about this movie is it's a very it's a movie about community, about the people who live in this really big building. The only, the only problem is it again it's being demolished for the right reasons. It's not up to health code, but there are people who've been living here for generations. And this movie looks tries to connect all the different generations who have lived in this building. It's a very intimate look at the people who live in this building, especially as seen through the eyes from the lead character who's very, very good. This teenager is his name is Yuri, Y-O-U-R-I, and it's played by a newcomer named Alseni Bathili, and he's excellent in this movie. Very, very good. And this community of Gagarin, they're named after the famed Russian cosmonaut who inaugurated these buildings back in 1963. So these are real buildings. These are, these are, I guess, uh, fictionalized lives behind these buildings. And it's a very visually immersive film, but it's also just a beautifully uh, just rendered and crafted film where there's, there's different people. The people that this Yuri, this Yuri meets along the way are very interesting. And it's just a very intimate drama along with ec- excellent visuals. I, I'm very, very high on this movie. And I'm hoping Bruce and Eric are high on Gagarin as well. Opens in theaters on Friday, April 1st in select cities. Eric Holmes, were you high on Gagarin or did it, did it uh, not please you? What did you think? I'm uh, not completely high, but I did like it. This is one of those uh, movies, like, it, it does that. It's got kind of a lot of things going for it. It's like a, a I don't know, like a community sort of thing. Uh, a little bit of a uh, uh, hero. Because they're, they're trying to, the community's trying to keep this apartment alive when they want to tear it down. And they're like, oh, where else we where else are we going to go? So it's got, you know, certain social elements of that. Like, yeah, you don't want people living in here because it's a, uh, you know, it's a hazard could kill them, but as you know, what else can kill them? Uh, being out in the elements when it's freezing outside, you know, that can kill you too. So and probably do it, do you a lot quicker. Uh, and then it's got like the space elements, the main character, Yuri. Yeah. You know, he kind of imagines himself as an astronaut through a lot of this. I didn't quite get that, but I liked it. You know, just because I don't understand things doesn't mean I don't, you know, doesn't mean I don't like it. Sometimes it's just interesting. I'm like, I wonder what this means. I don't know, but you know, kind of, I'm kind of digging it. And then the, uh, oh, what's the, uh, the female character's name? Uh, the, the Diana, Diana played by Diana. Lena, Lena Kudry. Lena Kudry. Yeah. I love her. Uh, I love the, uh, the romance between her and Yuri. Uh, you know, it's kind of, this, this movie kind of like, tries for a bunch of different things. I don't think it quite lands all of them, but you know, it was a, it was sort of a gumbo pot that I was sort of, I was sort of digging on. Um, I couldn't tell you what his, uh, I couldn't tell you what his, uh, you know, dreams of him being an astronaut have to do with the story, but it just kind of worked for me. And I don't know. I, I'm an idiot. Cause I can't explain why maybe Bruce came. Yeah, Bruce. I I was just absolutely moved by this film. The idea that you're you have a building, a tenement building that is neighbors to the moon, which is seems so far up in the sky. But you know, no matter who we are, we're all we're all dreamers, and we're all we're all connected in some way. Did this movie resonate with you? It did. Um, I really liked it quite a bit. I think that one thing we're not quite capturing about this, and I don't think this is really a spoilable movie per se, is that the first half. It's much more this community thing we're talking about, and Yuri is doing all these things, like he's trying to salvage electrical parts and things, and 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 basically get the building up to code so it can be saved and they will be allowed to live there. But the second half of this movie, oh, we didn't mention Denis Levant is in this too, from yes. Holy Motors. Oh yeah, yeah, good and catch. more. Im- 
more importantly, The Lovers on the Bridge, because I feel like this filmmaker probably loved The Lovers on the Bridge, because there's this whole thing about people on the outskirts of society or that are on the verge of the outskirts of society that are attached to a dilapidated physical landmark in France. And there's also this element of kind of magic, of making that space almost magical, almost have more to it than just brick and mortar. And I think the second half of this movie, when it becomes a little more isolated and a little more personal, and it sticks more with Yuri and uh, Diana, mostly, uh, and another character, which I, took a turn that I was very surprised by. There's that third person they meet up with that you think is going to be an antagonist and doesn't end up being an antagonist. And I really liked how that played out, too. But in the production design and the way it plays out, I think it becomes truly beautiful and magical in some of the scenes. There's a sequence where she, Diana, takes Yuri up a um, construction crane that is beautiful. Am I giving away something? No. Uh, no, I'm, I'm saying as soon as she put his uh, his uh, blindfold on, as he's climbing up, I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Stop, stop, <laughs> oh, this is a nope for you? But I mean, that scene <laughs> No, is no, really... you're right. It, it was a great scene. It's just, I, I put myself in that position. I'm like, I'm yeah. not climbing that thing blindfolded. You're crazy. And, uh, I think that there are scenes that they don't quite reach it. They get really close to the, the, the fireworks scene in The Lovers on the Bridge. That kind of mystical, magical, but actual setting. This is a real place. There's some shots towards the end of this. There's a shot with, uh, you're constantly seeing him tinker with things. And sometimes you're not knowing what he's doing. And when you kind of see his final work of art, I guess I'll call it, uh, it's kind of amazing. I, oh. I, I actually really love this movie. I think that for the right audience, I think if you're really into those kind of, they're kind of, they feel like these slice of life movies, but they also have a magical element. And I'm thinking of things like, uh, I don't know, like Beasts of the Southern Wild or sure. uh, Florida Project, all these kind of movies where they're, they're kind of grounded, but at the same time, there's something ethereal about them, dreamlike about them. I think this is in that category. And I think this is really kind of transcendent and a beautiful movie. I think a lot of people can get something out of this. Yeah, it sticks to landing, proverbially sticks to landing. The third act, when we find out Yuri's experiments, what he's been going on for, it, it it's very hard not to start chopping onions when you're when you're watching what happens with at the at, towards the end of Gagarin and yeah high marks for me I give it four stars Eric Holmes what do you give it I kind of want to give it four stars too but uh, yeah you know what uh, yeah go three and a half yeah I I, I kind of want to give it three and a half and, that, yeah. and that's not to say it's going to stay there because I think I think this is like one of the because everything Bruce said I agree with and it, we'll we'll do the three and a half with room to grow I guess because uh, I I think. I'm the three and a half now. I could watch this a couple more times and I could get up to as high as four and a half. It's certainly a movie we're checking out, but I'm I'm not quite on its level yet, but I think I will get there. No, that's three and a half is at least a solid recommend from Eric Eric Holmes. I give it four stars. Again, like Eric, I, I have room to grow with this. I this this is like a four to four and a half. I'm giving it a four right now. Bruce, what do you give it? Uh I'm five stars. Five stars for yeah, Bruce. The Park. last I'm- the last half of this movie really got caught me. And I loved it so much. I think if it had stayed where it was at the first half, I would have probably been three and a half, four stars. But it was so good by the end that I was just like, nope, five stars. Now, without giving too much away, I also loved, and I don't know if you agree with me on this, as much as it it could have gone for very saccharine stuff and there are emotional moments, they did not go way too sugary. Did you appreciate the the decision not to go too sugary on this? Yeah. 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 Okay. 
Gagarin, yeah, that's a very, very good movie, and it is coming out in select theaters April 1st. Actually, search this movie out. Tell us what you think of Gagarin. It is a, a fantastic, fantastic film. Three and a half from Eric Holmes, four from me, and five stars. Five-star banger from Bruce Perky. Uh, you know what? We, we might be getting five stars coming up very, very soon, or four and a half. Who knows what we're going to get? I, I forget what I gave this movie, but there's a movie called You Won't Be Alone. It stars one of our favorite actors, Numi Rapace, and she's in this movie that is very hard to actually explain. You know what? I'm just going to put this person on the spot. Eric Holmes, what is You Won't Be Alone about? Can you explain it to us? So I just watched this movie uh, this weekend, and I've been greasing up the t-shirt cannon to blast out a five-star review on this ever since. <laughs> I love this movie so much. Um, what, oh, what can you say about this? So it's about a so a woman is giving birth to a little girl, and then a witch comes in, and the witch says, "You know, that, this movie's not narratively sound. This plays like a poem. The right. entire movie does. Uh, if you watch Tree of Life, how that's edited, and where it's like it, it's edited in moments, and there's not much dialogue. In fact." There's not much dialogue in this at all. A lot of it's voiceover, and even the voiceover is really poetic. So it gives you kind of a taste of what it is, suggests things more than actually. It's it's certainly not a typical narrative. But anyway, the the witch is to, if I understand correctly, is to take the little girl when she's 16, and then uh, apparently she becomes a witch too. But what happens is that when the girl turns 16, she starts overtaking other bodies. And then we start following her in that body for a while and then hops to another body and then starts following that. So I took that to mean that this witch wants to experience what it's been, experience what it's like to be human. And you you would think, oh, well, you'll just possess a body of a human, but that's not good enough. For, um, it wants to get the full experience of a human. Now, if you take over my body, you don't get the full experience of being a human. You get my experience from being a human. You hop over to Greg's body, you're still not going to get the full experience. You'll have my you're experience. Not gonna get, then, you're not going to get any experience of being a human going to my <laughs> you'll body. Get Gre- you'll get Greg's experience. <laughs> this is, and then hop over Eric, to you'll get... <laughs> Eric, if you hop into my body, you're going to see this sold-out critic who watches Netflix's The Bubble incessantly. Do you want to, <laughs> do you want that experience? I mean, you might I'm as well cool just... <laughs> I, but but the, 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 whole, the whole idea, or at least the idea that I took from it was... I want to know what it's like to be a human. And the only way to get that is to get as many experiences as I can. So the, the, the conceit of the movie is that this witch hops from body to body to body. So there's different actors playing this witch throughout the movie. And so it's got the, it's got the, the almost throwing narrative out the window and taking the tree of life kind of way of storytelling. And it has almost the, the, I, I, I guess kind of existential kind of feeling that I got from go, a ghost story. And I don't think it was quite as strong as a ghost story because the ghost story just floored me when I first saw it. But this had this had kind of a similar effect on me where, um, you know, it was just a, a it suggested a lot of things and it just kind of played as a poem. And um, where uh, Gigarine, um did similar things, um, but I just kind of wasn't on the wavelength. This one absolutely was. And. Um, I think this is one of those movies that if you two are on its wavelength, it's going to pay in dividends because it's, it, you know, yeah, th- this is this might be one of the best movies I saw this year so far. And we've, good. And we've seen some great ones. 
and uh, yeah, I, I love this movie. Not going to be for everyone. We say that a lot, but uh, the this movie, um, if it is for you, this is gonna this is gonna change your life. I think. Written and directed by Goran. I'm not pronouncing the, the name right. Let me just Goran Stolevsky. And yeah, written and directed by Goran Stolevsky. He's he was actually he was named as one of the top ten filmmakers to to note. For the year of 2022, I believe either 2022 or 2021, he's been revered from Variety. He received an award recently at the Palm Springs International Film Festival. You won't be alone in theaters on April 1st. I absolutely love this movie as much as you, Eric. Actually, while you were talking about this, I was thinking this has for me a lot of rewatchability. There's so many. it's, It's really about what it is to be human set within the constructs of a horror movie because there is violence in this movie. There are witches. When you inhabit the body, of course, there's going to be a little bit of blood and gore and a little bit of a heartbreak because you're, when you inhabit the body of a human, you take their spirit, you take their corpse, right? And you, you, you're, you're the witch. You, you sort of resurrect that corpse and, and you become that human. It's set in 19th century Macedonia. Really loved everything about it. 109 minutes rated R. Eric mentioned a little bit of a barrier to entry. I think this will have a lot of mixed reviews. Some people will really, really love it. I think some people who are expecting a genre film might not be, might be saying, oh, I. Yeah, it's definitely not that. Yeah, I didn't want to feel very humanitarian or humanistic right now. I wanted something more blood and gore and more visceral. This might disappoint them, but I'm really on board this train. Bruce, were you on board this train with You Won't Be Alone? No, I wasn't. I was the I was the opposite. I am the person who didn't get into the vibe of this movie. And I'll describe why it didn't work for me. I guess we're kind of like flip-flopping between this and Gagarin. Um, Gagarin, I guess it is. Um, um, the horror elements actually pulled me out of this movie. Like, it was too much horror elements. In fact, to the point that um, after I saw, when I first saw The Witch, I was like, well, that's kind of cool. But then I kept seeing The Witch, and I was like, it looks a lot like Freddy Krueger to me. And once I saw Freddy Krueger, I couldn't unsee Freddy Krueger. And then the voiceover started. So, And I started writing to my brain, like, oh, okay, we have Freddy Krueger, Mama Witch, and we have Yoda, Narrator, Baby Witch. And then we're doing the movie Fallen, kind of, with Denzel Washington, but not really exactly. <laughs> uh, but I... <laughs> Good, trying to figure cool. out why you don't like this. I, selling it. Well, all those things are better. Freddy Krueger's better. Yoda's better. And so is Fallen. Um, wow. I, um, my problem with this was I found it... Um, I, okay, on the good side, the artistry here is undeniable. The, the singularity of the vision of this director is very strong. Uh, it's really beautiful. It's, it's um, confidently told. Like, this person is not a haphazard filmmaker this person is making the film they want to make and they're doing a really good job of presenting the vision they want to present so the vision doesn't work for me and i my problem is i never connected with the story at all like i i saw it um as repetitive like it was just the same thing over it was basically rinse and repeat it was like okay meet a person kill a person invade their body by this kind of weird way of doing it. Um, be in that body for about 15 or 20 minutes. The town folk in that area will start to uprise a little bit against them and we'll do it again. And that's what happened the whole movie. And I didn't understand what they learned. Oh, I understand what to learn, but it maybe be a man or to be a woman or to be a, I didn't understand. Yeah. It didn't work for me. It was just, it was a chore, honestly. 
I, I, I could not wait for it to end. Every, oh. After the first round, and we started it again, I was absolutely done. I And I kept waiting for it to do something different and never did anything different. It was just like, I, I, I understand, but I don't know why we're doing this. And it just you, never connected to me. Never connected with you, Bruce. Your rating on you won't be alone. Um, I, I mean, I want to tell people three or three and a half stars, but for me, it's honestly a two. I, I can't recommend it because if you're like me and you don't connect, you're not going to connect. So I would say, uh, if it looks interesting to you, this would be one of those give it 30 minutes type of movies, 20 to 30 minutes, because you will be on board or off board in 30 minutes easily. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's about a good time too. Because like by that time, I was like, "Oh, this is what this is." Oh, and I'm just yeah. entranced by that point. Which obviously we went the other way, but I, yeah, I, I think that's I think that's perfectly fair. Yeah, and I and once again, like I don't hate this movie. I really admire what the filmmaker's doing, and I would love to see other things by this filmmaker because I think I could easily connect with something else they did. But for me, it the it was the 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 mode of presentation just absolutely didn't work for me. Cool. Okay. Two stars from Bruce Perky. Eric Holmes, your rating on You Won't Be Alone. Oh, yeah. The, the fire off the t-shirt, five-star t-shirt cannon. I'm just I'm throwing all the five stars at this one. I love this. And I think I'll love it more. Uh, five stars with room to grow. Wow. Five <laughs> stars with room. The only way you can grow with that is that you're like uh, Bruce Perky's rating of classic rating that he gave Babette's Feast a couple weeks ago. So maybe, who knows, maybe one day it might be a classic for you, Eric Holmes, right? I, so. I, yeah, pr- yeah, probably. Also, the uh, and I didn't talk about Anumi Rapace's character when uh, she got the witch inside of her. Yeah, uh, she's one. She's one of the many characters that the witch overtakes. Uh, I like the stuff where it's like the witch trying to figure out how to become a human, like looking at people, like looking at their face, facial mannerisms and trying to yeah. copy it. I thought Bruce would appreciate this more because it's almost like uh, Christopher Nolan looking at humans trying to mimic what they do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very that's what good. emotion is. Very good. Very, yes. like, nice. Uh, very nice. Tenet callback. So painful. By very so nice painful. Christopher Nolan. They, they shouldn't have called this. Callback. You won't be alone. This is the Christopher Nolan biopic. <laughs> so five stars for every, you know, no matter what of these is, I will like watch watching it. Christopher Nolan write a script for me. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you won't be alone. Two stars for Bruce Perky, five star banger for Eric Holmes. And for me, I, I think I was giving this four and a half stars with room to grow. I'm just going to join Eric Holmes and give you won't be alone five stars. I was just visibly moved by you won't be alone what it's all about. There's I'm not going to tell you listeners what it's all about. You guys can take your own and Bruce is just saying nice, but it's about, about nothing. It's two stars. But I just was really moved. They're very resonant. The ending, the third act, where where you where there's a lot of stuff that's going on, and it it, it takes an interesting look at the prospects of humanity. And uh, I, I'm not going to get into that, but it's really it was very resonant and moving. That's why it's five stars. As as actually Bruce pointed out, the filmmaking, the mise en scène, is very. Top notch. Um, he, he, Bruce enjoyed at least the vision of the filmmaker. I enjoyed the vision and, and on top of that, the story as well. Tell us what you think for, you know, maybe you agree with me and Eric on the five star banger on this, or maybe you are on Bruce Perky's train with two stars for you won't be alone in theaters again in theaters April 1st. That is all of our featured reviews for this week. We are now doing 
the Dean Kuntz wallet watch. And I'm going to check out of this one because I'm going to let Eric, it was, his, this was Eric Holmes's choice for this month. I believe my, I think April is my, is it my turn, Bruce, for April? Uh, or is it your turn, Bruce? I think it's my turn. Right? I think it's your turn next. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I believe next. it's my turn. I got to think of a movie for us to watch. Eric Holmes chose this movie called Skull Head Face. Why, Eric? Did you choose it? Uh, <laughs> oh yeah that's a great question why why eric um it's it's because uh that i was thinking it was like david brocky uh passed away uh 70 years ago uh last week and we were talking about stunt rock and this kind of felt like in that in that area where it's just kind of a a strange anomaly a product of its time and extremely offensive and i forgot exactly how offensive it was until i watched it again <laughs> well first of all jello biafra shows up and he's in the head of the uh, the fuck um what there's no way to even describe how, this movie how do you describe school head face it, it's kind of like a a big corporation I can to, do it for you. I can do it for you. Big corporation trying yeah. to uh, use sleazy P. Martini to sell a guar. But I think the reason you watch this is that it's just guar being offensive and gross. And they uh, cut it in with the commercials every once in a while. The, uh, the I don't even know if I can say the word, but the LJ commercial mm. uh, was particularly. <laughs> right, right. Um, something. Uh, the sperm and slide was uh, the one thing I did remember from when I saw it long ago. And that was every bit as uh, hilarious as I remember it to be. Yeah. This is a movie that's going to offend a lot of people, probably even more today than it did when it came out. Yes. And uh, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's a thing, but it's a, that's it's a crazy movie. There's, look, if you, if you like, uh, what, what is it, that Monster Hunter kind of video games, there's just. Guar. I mean, I didn't. I was completely. I'm gonna probably listen to more Guar after this. There's just a bunch of band members who are dressed up like monsters, and they're just different characters. Obviously, there's a huge, just I'm sure thousands upon thousands of Guar fans over the years, over the last thirty years, who are really immersed in this world. This the thing about Skullhead Face that's really cool is, as of this recording, you can actually, you know, you don't need you don't need the Blu-ray or DVD to to purchase from. I'm assuming from the Guar's website, you can actually go on YouTube to check it out. That's how I checked out. Skullhead face only about 66 or 67 minutes, you know. So, Bruce, yes, Eric. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wait till after Bruce. Let, let well, me ask I mean, you after Bruce is done. <laughs> I've been disagreeing a lot with you guys today, so I have to disagree with you again because I think you're underrating this far too far too much first of all this is way classier than you're presenting it to be oh, it's, it's not <laughs> it's far it's far no shush shush let the people know what this oh, is really no. about oh, this no. is far ahead of its time um it's a very delicate presentation of the the conflict between man and the corporate entities there's a romance in here for the ages between beefcake and flopsy that is both tragic and touching. There is a feast in this that is as emotionally impactful as Babette's feast, and it okay. is it is presented with with the kind of care and almost, you can almost call it food porn. But I wouldn't want to be that crass. Um, <laughs> this is just a fine work of art. It has the high definition that was unknown in those days. Back in the 90s, this is this is like way ahead of its time in that far, part as well. Uh, and like you said, Jello Biafra, actually ahead of its time too, because it, it was Jello Biafra unknowingly playing himself now, which I thought was quite amazing. So, Wow, very, very cool review of Skullhead Face. 
Eric, I'll be honest. I give this movie three stars. Mild recommend. Wow. I, I actually – Holy shit. I was I would, not expecting I'll be honest. The three stars is more for people who – this is my three-star rating for it is actually not a personal rating. Probably from you. The per, I, I think I, I actually – if I was going to give it a rating, probably my personal rating is three and a half. But I decided to actually go sort of populist with this. The three-star rating is a mild recommend because Skullhead Face is worth watching to expand your horizons as a, as a cinema goer. If you know nothing – if you know – Bare, the bare minimum about Guar, you can actually get into their music and the world by actually watching Skullhead Face. Is it offensive? Yes. It's a, it, as Eric said in his a- intro to this. It's of its time. But if you can actually get away from the from the current climate right now, where if you just turn your woke hat turn your woke hat backwards and just enjoy, try to enjoy some. Bruce mentioned crass. Some of the crass humor in this film. It, no, I said I mentioned class. Class. Oh, it's class. Classy. The, the classy humor in Skullhead Face, or maybe yes. you could be crassy or crass. I mean, I just made crassy <laughs> and up. I just made that that uh, word up. But I, I think there's a lot of value added stuff that people can get from Skullhead Face. Here's a barrier to entry. The fights are a little bit. I don't even want to say gory. There's just a lot of there's just a lot of special special effects, right, Eric? How would you describe the fights? And the action behind Skullhead Face. Uh, the the action's kind of whatever. The special effects are they're they're Guar. If you know what Guar is, then you know what to expect. If you don't, and you've seen Psycho Goreman, you'll watch Psycho Goreman or you'll watch uh, uh, any Guar video for that matter, and go, "Oh, that's where Psycho Goreman got it from." The, it's got that kind of that kind of uh, effects to it. A lot of it's real gross, but it's like over the top gross. So. It, it's almost rather silly. Uh, a lot of the uh, the dick and balls and poop and blood and all sorts of yeah, all manners of disgusting flying around everywhere, flopping about. Uh. <laughs> That's it. That's it. it. There's everything is flopping about everywhere. And you you know what? Honestly, you got to give credit to this indie film with a certain uh, level of budget and. I don't know. There's a Sebastian Box in this one as well. They're along with Chilo Piafra. So just a whole bunch of different people. And yeah, of course, the members of Guar too. So I think this is a good introduction. If you don't like, for me, are pretty ignorant with their music. And I think if you're looking for something absolutely outlandish, if you're tired of linear narratives, if you just want something crazy to put on, give Skullhead Face a shot. Again, my rating is three stars. Bruce, what's your rating on Skullhead Face? Um, on the, my honest rating is probably three and a half stars. I think this is absolutely, if, if say, here's what I would say for people that really are out there that like, if you liked the movies like freaked, like freaked in the nineties, or if you were into liquid television, you're into that whole, um, like early Rob zombie when Rob zombie was doing animation and all kinds of weird stuff. I think this is kind of right in that, right in that wheelhouse for people. And, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's impressive what they do as kind of a DIY special effects unit as well. The yeah. fact that they did a lot of the stuff on stage is, is quite amazing. So it's, 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 I think it's a value added for people who are into that kind of stuff. Okay, cool. Three and a half stars from Bruce Berkey, three from me, Eric Holmes, a presenter of Skullhead Face. What do you give it? Well, this movie by Guar, uh, managed by Sleazy P. Martini, has a very specific nostalgia value to me, which is five stars. But yeah, for normal people, probably this is probably actually a one-star movie. But I, I, this is pure nostalgia for me, and I kind of it kind of takes me back to the I don't give a shit about anything phase, and that's kind of that's kind of what a lot of this is about. Even even the offensive stuff, it's like fuck it. 
uh, we're, we're just going to, we're going to, we see the open wound and we're going to stick our finger in it and jizz in it. And so, yeah, <laughs> this is a, this is a fight. Not necessarily I, that order. <laughs> yeah. That we're going to jizz in it and then make a baby and jizz in that. And you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. Leave your, uh, <laughs> take your woke, woke hat and just flush it down the toilet before watching this movie. Uh, yes, exactly. I, uh, but I, I also want to, uh, uh, call out the director melanie mandel i believe this is the only only uh movie she's done well it says video because it came out on uh vhs when it did but she did work on as art director on tim and eric's billion dollar movie uh she was also production production designer on bobcat goldthwaite's sleeping dogs lie so get on her for that and uh yeah check it out or don't um yeah, we we talked about uh, you'll know in a half hour, fifteen minutes if you like it or not. You'll know in about <laughs> three know seconds if minutes. this is for you. <laughs> You're gonna know three seconds. Yeah, I if, surprisingly, I was I thought I would not like it. I ended up enjoying it. No, I enough. I thought for sure you'd be like Eric, go fuck yourself. <laughs> no, no, this, no. My brain did not bleed like Bruce's brain did, bled when he watched the bubble. I actually for, for some reason liked it. Wait, was I overstepping my bounds, Bruce? Did you did you feel your brain just uh, kind of bleed when you're watching the bubble? Was it or did you get get a headache watching the entire thing? <laughs> no, I think my brain like desiccated. I think it like <laughs> lost cells. <laughs> lost cells. All right. So before I go, before we go, guys, uh, round just a round trip. Uh, my uh, my big recommend this week will be you won't be alone. What's your big recommend this week, Eric Holmes? Uh, school head fit. No, uh, you won't be alone. Uh, How about you and Bruce? You're you're all about Gagarin, right? Is that yours? Your big wreck? Uh, Gagarin, or if you go over to Cinematics and listen to us there, Nitram. Yes, oh, very very good. And before we go, what's in the box, Bruce? What's the? Wait wait, oh, we, that's wait, not wait. how we introduce this segment. Wait, how do we introduce this segment, Bruce? You tell me, Greg. Oh, I don't know. I think it. I think it has to do with. First of all, one of the things is we, we've been talking a lot. We had Bailey on. I was so into crypto. I just forgot about one of our one, just one of our OG friends, our buddy Peter Beta, who's on the sticks. Yes, member Eric of Holmes. Guar. Also, a lot of people don't know that. Oh, Eric. Oh, Eric Holmes. Peter Beta is a member of Guar, along with hey, he's being a tambourine player. He's uh, really tam- good. Oh wow! Congratulations on that job, Peter Beta from middle class film class. What does he? What does he do every week, Eric Holmes? Well, he grabs his tambourine, which he's very proficient at. And yo, Pete, drop that beat. Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie! No! What's in the fucking box? All right, guys, we're back. Oh, I, I got to get a, sign, a signature from from Peter Beta with my new Guar album. So, Bruce, what you got for what's in the box? Uh, what I have is... <laughs> this is just one I wrote down randomly because someone posted on the cinematics page. And I thought that sounded interesting. Uh, Mystics in Bali from 1981 mm. by He Jalil. And I nailed mm. it on that one. I'm sure. Mystics in Bali. I wonder who actually just mentioned that. That's a random film. That's got to be a Joseph Bridges, I think. Okay, thank you, Joseph Bridges Mystics again. Cinematic, yeah, yeah, Joseph Bridges. Thank you so much. He's a Cinemax Facebook group member. He does. He actually plays along while we're actually doing this Find Your Film stuff. When we did Stunt Rock, he was actually watching other movies by the director of Strunt, uh, Stunt Rock. What is it? I forgot the name of that director of Stunt Rock, but he was mentioning some other movies from the Stunt Rock guy. Oh, uh, Brian Trenchard Smith. 
Very good. Again, Eric Holmes, lifesaver of the episode. So Brian Trenchard-Smith. I can't believe my brains are working today. What the hell's wrong? <laughs> Joseph Bridges, actually. Thank you so much. There's Joseph Bridges, Matt Stillman, so many people, Ryan Smith, so many Angie Clark, so too many to name, Andrew Martin. They all give so, such great recommendations as part of our Cinematics Facebook group. There will be links below in order to on how you can j- join our group and we do weekly giveaways and all that stuff. Please be a member of our Cinematics and find your fame, find your film universe. Till then, Eric Holmes, final words. Uh, Andrew has been putting out a bunch of Andrew watches movies of late, and I am loving it. Especially love the uh, the ocean in the background, digging that, Andrew. So keep that up, and everyone else should check it out. Yeah, so Andrew Martin. He's a podcaster for Andrew watches movies. He's been doing it for the last several years. Recently, he's been posting up a lot of reviews and a lot of episodes on on Andrew watches movies. If you love really personal just opinions and not just you know we're just a bunch of guys and we we toss a tennis ball back and forth a little bit of repartee and banter that's cool andrew has a uphill climb of actually being a very personal just one mono e mono just by himself actually doing these reviews by himself very very interesting personal stuff and that's something i can't personally do myself so that's why i need the help of my betters eric holmes and bruce Perkin, anderson cowan andrew martin does it by himself speaking of by himself you won't you will never be alone bruce Perkin. you won't be alone even if you two star things and even if you didn't like the bubble and maybe maybe i might be alone after my four star rating of the bubble but that's neither here nor there final insightful thoughts from bruce Perkin. i just want to just wish um a fond farewell to our long lost dear Flopsy. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Flopsy. Go see Skullhead Face. We will see you guys next week on Find Your Film.